What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Get a Grip with Kay. I'm your host, Kendall Rusing, and today we have a very special guest here, Juliana Miller. Welcome to Get a Grip. What's up, guys? I'm so excited to be here. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, so today is a big party day because last night we were at Who's Number One. Juliana came up and was a special guest of mine, watched the show, and then we decided to do this podcast today. So if you're watching visually, we may or may not be making the best of a janky hotel room situation to film, but we've got lights, we've got a dog in the house. I mean, we really have been doing our best, so we're excited. So before we get into all the questions, I want to intro Juliana a little bit for those of you guys not familiar with her story. Um, starting back like years ago, I think we were blue and purple belts at the time. We yeah. used to <laughs> train with each other uh, down at 10th Planet San Diego. I would go visit uh, Boogeyman down there. And then I started training with Juliana. We were just, you know, young girls trying to figure it out. <laughs> Flash forward, we weren't that like connected for many years. And then all of a sudden, I started noticing on social media that she wins the ultimate fighter. So I'm like, we haven't talked in so long. Ultimate fighter champion. I'm like, this is crazy so she's a tough champion she's a ufc fighter uh she's a jiu-jitsu what belt are you now brown belt jiu-jitsu brown belt <laughs> and also what's really interesting we're going to dive into is we have a very similar situation where we ended up in commentating interviewing broadcasting and the media side of our respective combat sports um, as a result mostly of injuries and looking to expand our skill set in our careers so did i miss any of the highlights as no far you as nailed it Okay. I'm really nailed it. Yeah. Wow. All right. Did my homework. <laughs> I'm feeling very good right now. Okay. Looking good too. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. So we're going to dive straight in. As you guys know, the very first question I always ask is, Juliana, what does it mean to you to have a grip on your life? I think this is a very open-ended question because every human is so different with their emotional state and their levels of life. But for me personally, to get a grip on my life means that I'm in a sustainable position, like training well, um, taking care of myself and happy, Mm. which it's interesting you say that because right now I do not necessarily feel like Mm. I've got a grip on my life. As a professional athlete, being able to train at a high level becomes who you are. I mean, it becomes your mental health, like Mm. struggling with your day. You go train hard. You're too tired to really Mm -hmm. care. You're like, Mm -hmm. oh, sweat Mm -hmm. that right off me. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, being able to get a grip is like understanding where your mind is at and controlling it. I think um, mental health is all about controlling your mind. And more often than not, people are struggling with depression and numerous things all the time. And the majority of the world isn't vocal about it. Mm. So people seem to think because you're in media, you're perfect when low key, you're dealing with all of these things because we post the highlights of our Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. It's very often you go into the depth of those low lights and, um, yeah, I, I kind of tell myself, get a grip when I feel myself <laughs> slipping. I'm like, get, get a, a grip, grip on your life. <laughs> well, and one thing that's so funny about the idea of getting a grip, and you know, it reminds me, I was talking to Eddie Bravo about this on the podcast when I had him and you guys were hanging out last night. You were yeah. the Ted Planet Brown Belt. And we were talking on the podcast about how like, yes, there's a feeling of having a grip, having things centered, feeling a lot of stability. But the reality of life, at least in my experience, is it's like, we get a grip, then we lose a grip. Yeah. Then we're trying to get the grip again. And then we get it. And then we're like, yes, I get it. I'm on top of the world. And then we lose it a little bit again. And it's like, I heard this from a friend the other day, if she was using it in reference to God and faith, but I think it just comes down to overall well-being too. Yeah. If it wasn't a great mystery, I probably would get bored. Yeah. <laughs> if I wasn't, True. if it wasn't oscillating between like looking for more truth and then forgetting and then remembering, like I probably would get bored. And so it's supposed to be a great mystery for yeah. me. Yeah. Okay, so now for everyone who doesn't know you, I we were talking right before the podcast and I was saying like, man, Juliana, even as someone that is your friend, there's so much behind the scenes, like we'll talk about your surgery and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's so much behind the scenes that we don't get to see of you and even the people who are close to you in your life. I love the space of this podcast because I feel like it's a place where we get to dive a little bit deeper and see yeah. some of the real stories. But before we get too crazy and dark, which we will probably do, um, knowing us, it's not hard to do. So before we go into that, why don't you give us like the five minute to seven minute version 
don't worry, I won't time you, <laughs> of your life story. Like, let us know, you know, where you came from, how you got to where you are, and, you know, just where, how we've arrived. Yeah. Um, growing up, I was always really small. Like, I was in the one percentile of smallness growing up. Really? Um, as a child? Yes. Uh, yeah, as a child. Like, oh my God. I was in the one percentile of small, like, almost like everything point, like yeah where like my pa- yeah where my parents were worried like oh my gosh is she gonna be a healthy kid like oh. I was just tiny um and I think that this kind of led me to the career I am in now um because growing up it was a little tough I was always smaller than everyone um although super athletic albeit oh. yeah so I was super athletic pretty fast but super small were you playing um, sports like outside always. of combat sports yeah so I feel like since I could start running, I was in soccer, softball, later on in high school, track and field. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been so like ADHD hyperactive. I think I would have driven my parents crazy <laughs> had I not been able to just yeah. go get the energy yeah. out at sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times I'd be playing two at once. So they'd be driving around kind of crazy. Um, to it, just, was it just you? Did you have siblings? I have an older brother and an older sister. I'm the baby oh. of the family. So they were driving three kids around to multiple stuff all the time. Yeah. Wow. It was pretty cool though. Cause sometimes like we would be on the boys team with my brother and, mm-hmm. and vice versa. So we got to like be on the mini Padres baseball oh, team and stuff like so that. Cool. So that was pretty cool. Were you in Southern California? Yes, I was okay. born in Point Loma and raised in Alpine, San Diego, so Cali native. Yes. Yeah. Okay, got it. All right. Um, and through my young adult life, um, you know, my mom's in the room, so all, yeah, we've, all got, of, we've got mom. We, we in got the mom in the house today. <laughs> She's in, in this hotel studio. She helped us set up this. She well. did. I'm gonna have to post a picture of the reverse view yeah. of this, <laughs> so that you guys can see like what we've got a camera propped up on the what do you call that? The ice holder. Yeah. On my tripod and my makeup box and the other beds full of clothing from Who's Number One. Yeah, it's a lot in here, but. Uh, we had Mama Miller in here really helping us we out do. today. <laughs> so with all respect, you know, I had a kind of turbulent childhood. Things weren't necessarily as great as they could have been. However, they tried to, their best to give us a great childhood. And, you know, I don't think I've ever met anyone that feels like childhood was perfect. I feel mm-hmm. like um, as time goes, we learn more and more like um, my dad was pretty violent growing up and one of the things I've spoken to him about as an adult is I do these emotional intelligence classes. Mm. And he's like, that didn't exist when I was growing up. And he grew up in the heart of Texas where traditionally Mm. things are handled by hitting your kids or, you know, like force is a really common thing. So for him, it was what he was taught tradition down Mm -hmm. and down and so forth. Um, However, for me, yeah, I don't think that was necessarily the best way to deal with my inability to be normal, per se. Mm. I was just so hyperactive. I was so excited all the time. Getting <laughs> me to just chill for a second was very difficult. So, you know, I definitely had a part in, you know, driving them off the wall. <laughs> but, uh, well, and it's worth mentioning, too, like, one, I want to commend you for being able to talk about these things with your parent in the room right? and I love that you're here with us and I love that you're sitting with us in this conversation because I always you know I talk to my parents like pretty openly about different things it's hard to do and I think that there's a lot it's very popular in today's culture and social media to not just parent bash but like just bash your fa- I mean, because everyone is on this high horse now on social media. Like, yeah. this is how you purr and like, this is how school should be and this. And, and I'm like, the truth is we're all human beings doing the best we can with the skills that we have. And ideally, when you and I have children someday, like our parents had the same idea when they were to have parents. It was like, we're going to do the best we have with what we learned from our childhood. Yeah. And ideally, we should learn more. Each generation can learn more and do something differently and learn from their parents, take what was good, you know, repeat those things. And it's a hard thing to have open conversations with your family about because you don't want to come off as a... Uh, as critical, yeah. but I think we can learn so much from asking for our, our parents' input and then seeing what worked and then doing things differently and everyone can learn together. It doesn't have to be this, like, there's a huge blame game. You know, yeah. a lot of people have that. Now, obviously, there are certain things that 
are more severe than others. So not to, I don't want to turn anyone off that's listening. That's like, oh no, I had this horrible thing. Like I deserve to point some fingers. That's maybe a different conversation, right? There's different levels of severity. Um, But I think just coming back to like having compassion for the fact that we are all doing the best we can with what we have. Yeah. And if we can put ourselves like personal responsibility in, in like your classes that you're taking, for example, right? Or what are we consuming? Are we learning? Are we trying to learn more? to get better, to do something differently in the future with our lives. I couldn't agree more. And um, leading into wrapping up my life. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> when I got to high school, I wasn't always this cute and pretty <laughs> and strong. Um, and so I was like, I was picked on a lot. I was really? very bullied. I had a few friends and um, I was so like uncool or bullied that even my friends would be like, after school, we'd hang out and they'd be like, well, we can't hang out with you at school because then they'll be mean to us too. And as I got into high school, that shifted. Um, One of my childhood best friends was like, man, fuck you guys. I don't care. I'm hanging out with you. Um, So that that was pretty cool. You had a ride or die finally. I did. Yeah. (laughs) So I I was pushed around. I was bullied a lot. Uh, I'm pretty blessed because it was mostly just that like name calling and pushing around. I feel like some people were like, you know, the Diaz stories, thrown in trash yeah, cans, yeah, gum yeah. in the hair, guns, like, thankfully. But I... it's enough, too. Like, yeah. it's enough. Like, and, and, you know, kids in middle school and high school, they're really mean. I had bull- my own bullying experiences. And when you are in such a fragile part of developing your own identity, and then the people around you are telling you there's something wrong with you, and you don't have, like, now it's different. I mean, we'll talk about more about now in yeah. general. But even when you do have a strong sense of self as an adult, it's still difficult. When you're developing that, and then people are coming at you telling you who you are and who you should be and who you can't be. I mean, that is very difficult for a young child, even if it is just verbal. Like that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just sending your little, I'm sending your little self a lot of love because that's so <laughs> Thank very you. Hard. The yeah. uh, cool thing though is, you know, for everyone that grew up with me watching this, they will be the first to tell you when I started fighting, they're like, <laughs> off their seats are like you yeah. little one pusher you're fighting no yeah, way yeah. and so you know that's pretty cool um I think kind of some of the turbulence in my younger life led to bad relationships when mm-hmm. I was 16 I ended up with somebody very violent that was a lot older than me mm-hmm. and um it, it it just ended up physically emotionally legally terrible I learned a lot about toxic mm-hmm. relationships and um that's actually why I became a fighter was because, you know, after all this, I got so tired of just being like pushed around and hit and hurt. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was a night I didn't defend myself and I was choked. And I remember thinking no one will ever fucking touch me like that again. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care. You could be a black belt world champion. You ain't choking mm-hmm. me like that. Like mm-hmm. I'm getting out of there. And everyone kept saying, just buy a gun. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy to me, this is why I love self-defense is, most traumatic situations actually happen from people you know that are under the influence maybe Mm. they're drunk and they're violent maybe they went out with their friends and they're doing some other form of drug and now they're acting crazy and they're like I don't know if this is who you are maybe they have a personality disorder and Mm -hmm. right now they're on the flip side of their kindness so to me I'm like I think guns are great for defending your home when people come in, but I'm not going to go to the club and like be carrying something <laughs> in my titty like, well, bam. So I just decided I need to learn how to defend myself, which led me into jujitsu. And I got pretty good at jujitsu. I was competing all the time. I regained my confidence. I knew that, you know, uh, there would be brown and black belts trying to choke me and eventually they might get it, but it was so difficult that they're like, I can't kill you. You're yeah. so hard to kill. Yeah. In my mind, I'm like, good. Yeah. What's the point of all this? I'm only here so that I get harder to kill. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that, that, you know, that was like just a pretty awesome start to my career. And then when I regained myself, I told my coach, Manolo, I love you, Manny. I said, hey, mm-hmm. I want to host a women's self-defense seminar. Please, you know, I'm getting good. And he looked at me and was like, the only real fight you've ever been, you got effed up and choked out. And I was like, wow true what do you want from me for me to prove that I can teach this stuff and he said all right go get in a real fight and win you need to win he did he's like really if you're locked in a cage that person wants to win just as bad as you do that you can really see 
if you will defend yourself or not. Wow. He said, go win three amateur MMA fights and I'll let you have your seminar. And oh my God. Deep how, in wait, my heart, how long are you how long have you been doing jiu-jitsu at this point? Almost two years. Okay, so this we were training at that time already. Yeah. Okay, okay. You were so little. Yeah, so this is the yeah. 10th planet. I, yeah, like I was saying, like I've always been very small and little. So the idea of defending yourself against yeah. someone is like almost odd. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that he said that. I was like, challenge yeah. accepted. Put someone in front of me then. Let's <laughs> see how it goes. I won my first three amateur MMA fights. I, and, under 45 seconds I would either grab them throw them down or one time I dropped a girl with my two and I would just break their arm and I would just go for it the second we're down there I'm like you better tap or I'm just gonna break it and Mm -hmm. um after I won those three fights I was like man I think I love this yeah yeah, like this feels not only the self-defense seminar but now I actually have a new career yeah (laughs) and it was like when you've gone through hard things in life, sometimes deep in your soul, you're like, I want to punch you or I want to hurt someone. Mm. And in reality, you can't do that. You'll end up arrested. You're going to catch a case and uh, fines, domestic violence charges. Like you can't uh, release your aggression in those ways. So to me, it was kind of a two in one. I'm like, so you're telling me I can hit this bitch. I won't get arrested. Not only that, my friends and family will cheer for me and eventually I can make money. Like I was like, this is badass. So, um, yeah, for me. Yeah. So after I, I realized, you know, I had some skill in this and that I enjoyed it and I can help teach people about self-defense and growing their confidence. I knew it was something that it, it, it'd take a catastrophe to pull me away from. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I, okay. So then you got You can't skip the tough part. Okay. Yeah. We got to go into the ultimate fighter. How did that happen? And then how has life been since then? And we'll get into the nitty gritty of some of the ups and the highs and the low, the ups and the highs, the highs and the lows, <laughs> but overall, like walk us through, you know, that period of winning your first few amateur fights until now. Yeah, I was on a crazy win streak. Like, in my mind, I was unstoppable. No one could fuck with me. I'm like, yeah, bring me a striker. I'll tap him out. No problem. <laughs> I'm 2-0 and as a professional MMA fighter, and I get to Invicta FC. I had had my first win, um, a submission win, in about two minutes. And then yeah. I faced a girl named Claire Guthrie. Mm. And I was so delusional that I just believed that somebody could be bigger, have just as much Mm. experience. And I just go break them with my jujitsu. I'm like, Oh, my jujitsu is so great. Mm -hmm. That did not happen. That was not the case. (laughs) Um, I had some really good moments in that fight. Um, Some people believe that, you know, the decision was wrong, but Mm. I lost. It was a 30, 27. um, Invicta judges had me losing every round, which, my later my tough coaches argued with um however in my mind I'm like I suck at this I wasn't meant to do this Mm. um I was turning 26 I was losing health care um I was getting injured all the time and in my head I'm just like I wasn't meant to do this Mm. like I I just I'm not good like I believed I was Mm. so I decided I'm not gonna fight anymore I want to compete jujitsu I love jujitsu let me go (laughs) do what I love you know break some arms so I did about 10 jujitsu tournaments I was competing everywhere I did you know um submission underground with Chael Sonnen Mm. I did submission on the shore Um, both of those tournaments I beat really really good girls and Mm -hmm. then that led me to the Eddie Bravo Invitational called Medusa the Mm -hmm. all-female fight in Medusa it's combat right yeah combat combat jiu-jitsu yeah (laughs) I met up with an amazing fighter named Bia Mosquita at the time Mm -hmm. she was a black belt 10-time world champion gi and no beat gi unstoppable um, she's a legend like yeah. anybody in that's listening to this podcast that knows jujitsu like you say the name being mosquito and she is a legend an absolute legend and yeah. I'm a little purple belt yeah. I wasn't supposed to be there to even get into that tournament you had to you had to win your spot so I ended up tapping like two black belts um and then mm. having a tough round with Jen Rivera barely mm. winning in overtime getting my seat into Medusa I get there. Of course, the first card I pull is Bia Mosquita. And I (laughs) was terrified. I mean, literally 10 minutes before the match, I was crying to where Victor came over to me and he's like, you're going out there in 10 minutes, pull your shit together. And I was Mm. like, what am I doing here? I'm just going to get messed up. And I had my headphones on for this, um, basically something on replay that was like affirmations Mm. of, you know, who are you about like you can do it and um, it's called anything is possible so 
I'm just like, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Mm -hmm. I had this on repeat for a few days. You see me about to go out and face Mm -hmm. her with my headphones on. And um, we had a really tough match within the first minute of the fight. She broke my nose. She took me down. I was in guard. I went to sit up. And I thought she's just a jujitsu girl. She won't hit that hard. Bia knows how to hit. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. is going to be dangerous. She's training for MMA In MMA. Mm-hmm. And she's going to start killing people. Like, she knows how to use her weight. I mean, she mm-hmm. palm struck me up and my nose was broke. Like, it started bleeding a little bit. I couldn't breathe. This is the first minute of the fight. And I was like, oh, shit. All right. Well, let's mm-hmm. go. But the one thing I knew, if I could survive to overtime, that was my shit. That mm-hmm. was something 10th Planet practice every Monday. Boogie, you are the best. Boogie <laughs> Richie Martinez had me so prepared. No, everyone told me back out of the fight, you're going to get hurt, whatever. Boogie's like, make it to overtime and you will win. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I'm like, make it to overtime. Just mm-hmm. survive. Mm-hmm. There's like 40 seconds left in the round. I'm like, oh, I'm in overtime. Yeah. Bia gets my arm. She fully extends it. And there's 10 seconds left. I hear Gio in the corner and, and my teammate Rima. 10 seconds, 10 seconds. She breaks my arm. But I knew there were so many seconds left. I'm like, I'm not tapping with three seconds left. So God. we go into overtime and I'm like, my nose is broke. My arm is broke. But I didn't care. I'm like, I'm winning this yeah. now. So I just made up my mind. I was like, I am going to win this. Um, and, you know, we get in there. Round one happens. I grab her arm. She can't escape for two minutes. She takes my back. I'm out in six. Wow. And by this point, I, she was like looking to her coach all worried, uh, who's also a legend, Leticia. She is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, let's go in the middle, in the middle. And I started calling her back to the middle and I started, this is my puppy. Russell. We've got a dog in the, in the studio today. I, um, I, I started screaming about how anything is possible. So you can actually see this in the highlights. I'm like, anything is possible. Let's go in the middle. Like telling mm. myself, it doesn't matter what you went through. You can do it. You can do this. So um, I ended up getting the win over her, which is why I got the call to Ultimate Fighter. Um, I Getting the win that night was so huge for me as a person because it showed me who I am and what I can accomplish. Um, and it, it got my name on the board. I ended up losing my next match to a Dars. Um, as soon as the choke was locked up, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't brace on my arm. And I was like, I wanted to win the tournament, but I just couldn't. Um, However, about a month later, I got a call from the Ultimate Fighter producer, and they're like, hey, we're with Ultimate Fighter. We'd like you to try out. And I was like, meh, I'm not fighting anymore. Oh, um, my gosh. And like, you said no to the Ultimate Fighter? I did. I was like, oh I'm, not, I'm not really fighting anymore, you know? And I just, like, uh, it was an Instagram message. So I'm like, I'm not really fighting anymore. Mm. And then um, I kind of thought it was a scam, and he's like, well, really, <laughs> just think about it. Just fill out the application. All you got to do. And I was like, you know what? I was asking the universe for a sign. Um, because at the time I was re-enrolled in Western Governors University mm-hmm. to get my associate's degree. So that way I could go to the military as a pilot oh because I wanted stability. So yeah, I'm like, course, I'm course. not fighting. I want stability. I'm going to the military. I'm going to be a pilot. And they're like, really just think about it. So I enttered a emotional intelligence course trying to help me get a grip on yeah, my life, yeah. figure out what I'm going to do. And I kept saying to God, the universe, like, give me a sign. Like, what should I do? Do I fight? Do I go to the military? Whatever. And um, he messaged me again, like, just fill out the application. I'm like, well, if there ever was a sign, yeah, this is it. Yeah, yeah. I filled out the application. I got on the show. And um, it was beautiful because I went in there with a the mentality of, really just thinking and believing like this is going to be my last fight I didn't really I didn't think that I would make it anyways so in my mind I'm like you might as well just go for it and I think Mm. I fought better just like this is my last fight uh and going for it and um however I get in the house we're uh in lockdown for a week and I run into Claire Guthrie oh so I'm just like I look at her she looks at me and she's like well, they brought us on the show for a rematch. We already know this is going to happen. At this point, we like each other. We're like, hopefully we'll be on the same team. Team picks come up, opposite sides of the team. And we're just like, we both know right away this rematch is coming. And um, I didn't want it. Uh, Juliana Pena was like, your first fight, you're fighting Claire because you beat her the first time. 
And I argued with her. I was like, if I beat her the first time, why do I have a loss on my record? Why was it 30-27? I didn't win. That's the whole reason I don't want to do this because I'm not that good. And Mm. they are like, we believe you win and you're fighting her again. You're the only person in here that can beat her because you did it once. Mm. And I was just like tearing up, but I saw the cameras and I was like, okay, let's go. But I was terrified. I was it's like embarrassing how scared mm-hmm. I was to face her, how scared I was to face Bia. Mm-hmm. Um, but we ended up fighting each other. It was the fight of the night. I mean, we went to war and I ended up coming out with a victory. Um, that was my first ultimate mm-hmm. fighter win. I what do you went- think? What do you think is like, I'm just listening to you say, you know, when you said that it's embarrassing how afraid I was to fight Bia, it's embarrassing how afraid I was to fight Claire. What do you think is the difference between or why you feel that it's embarrassing versus I was so scared and I did it anyway and I kicked ass and I'm proud of that. Like, what do you think is the, why does it feel embarrassing rather than pride around around your courage? I feel pride now, but at the time it's like part of our sport and martial arts is believing in yourself. When you don't believe in yourself and you think you're going to lose, there's, almost zero chance of you winning so Mm. part of it is that confidence and you know to me like if you're gonna be a warrior you might as well be like all right I'm gonna face this war let's go Mm -hmm. and I think like I saw a lot of weakness in myself which made it embarrassing like Mm -hmm. I'm in this show to fight I already signed a contract to fight anyone and now I'm like freaking out about who I'm gonna fight it just didn't make sense like like deep in my soul I'm like I shouldn't be this nervous because I feel like it had lack of confidence and lack of belief in myself Mm. um which I don't always believe in fake it till you make it but (laughs) that is something I tricked my brain into believing that I would win because it's like when somebody is more experienced than you better than you has wins over you stuff like that like somewhere in your brain is like you really got to trick yourself yeah. to be like, it doesn't matter. Because the logic, if you look at it on paper, tells you you're supposed to lose. Yeah. Right? So how do we use that power of our mind to overcome the logic? And so it is illogical at some point. Like you're saying, it is a trick. So it's so funny. I always say that like I do a lot of mindset coaching with my clients. And I yeah. always – like one of my taglines is, look, I've beat a lot of people that were on paper better than me just because I learned how to weaponize my mind. Yes. Like, and it wasn't always, so, you know, quote, quote unquote, like supposed to happen, but it did, you yeah. know, it did. And there are so many people, like, I think there's a John Jones, like sound that went around on TikTok for a while where, or I mean on uh, Instagram that I really loved because he was like, yeah, honestly, in my mind, I believe like if I prepare well, like I'm not made to lose. He's yeah. like, and to someone who isn't crazy like us, yeah. that sounds delusional. Cause you're like, what do you mean you weren't made to lose? Like everyone loses. And it's like, no, no, no. People can lose, but I do believe that. Like, I believe that if I go in with respect and care for my opponent, for the situation, I prepared well, I was not built to lose. And in any situation, I can win. And that's yeah. kind of fucking crazy. Like when you when you look at it from a logical lens, like it doesn't make sense. I think it is. And then you get to that point where you're like, I'm unstoppable. Like after Ultimate Fighter, I just believed that I was the best. And mm-hmm. um, leading to the beginning of my UFC career, mm-hmm. um, I have a, I'm, a, I'm on two losses right mm-hmm. now, which is not only a blast to your ego, but then again, in my mind, I'm like, I believe that I would beat anyone. I believe that I was the best and I got smashed. Yeah. Like what was going on in my mind that made me think all those things? And then you mm-hmm. get effed up and you just, you really realize like am I those things yes, is that yes. who I am and uh well it hurts your faith in in yourself because yeah. if you were if you're if you have that delusional mindset that helps you overcome insane odds like beating being a mosquito for example was an insane thing to do right logically but you your mental power brought you through that then why didn't it work the other time? Like, that's the certain questions we start asking ourselves. Like, oh, wow, like, I really thought I was, like, so powerful and now it didn't work this time. But it's almost like the way I try to zoom out and think of it is not getting the thing isn't proof that it doesn't work, right? It's just a practice. Like, having a bump in the road means that I have some more practice to do. But I have proof that it works because I've done it before. And when you start building your faith in yourself that way, it's like, the big hits are still hits, but at least you have the track record where you can look back on the times that it did prove. And so it's like, well, that's just a muscle I need to keep strengthening. Yeah. And 
you know, one thing too, how we both ended up in this position is like, I thought that I was just performing bad. For instance, um, in, in London, um, towards the end of my fight, I would try to throw a jab and my hand would just fall down. My hand would fall down. Mm. And I just, for a long time, I'm like, I know how to throw a punch. You want to go here and like, too close to your face, you're still going to get hit. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to be like right here. You want to be active to parry Mm -hmm. the punches to be active. And I couldn't do it. I was literally punching like this. Oh my gosh. And my coach would even just be like, what is going on? Why are you doing that? And I didn't understand. I'm like, am I just bad at this? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, fast forward through my career after my last fight, I had so much pain in my arm. I had pain going into the camp, like leading from my fight in London versus Veronica Macedo, um, that after that fight, I decided to get an MRI. The MRI showed a full tear in my arm. So not only was it like a little bit hurt, it was not connected. Oh my God. So then after- You've been training like that for like, how long? For a while, yeah. (laughs) Like I, I actually ended up backtracking and researching in my fight with Veronica Macedo, there is a kick. I'll send it to you so you can post it up on this where um, she like barely missed my face and the kick hit my shoulder and my shoulder is like completely out. And like, I can't even do it how you can see in the picture. It's literally like over here from the kick. And um, after that loss, I was in so much pain from the loss. I didn't even think my arm was hurt. I was like, Mm. put me back in there. I want to fight. I want to prove myself. Not taking time to listen to my body or how injured I was. And at the UFC, they kind of test your body. And my left side was 26% weaker. And they're like, we really got to work on your left arm. That is very odd. So I was like lifting heavier. (sighs) I was doing everything to build up something that was not attached. And so... Now I'm kind of looking at things of, you know, injuries happen and many people win with injuries. Mm -hmm. However, I think that I can be a much better fighter now that I've gone through that surgery. Um, But I think surgery can also be a bit of a mental setback because Mm -hmm. we train for mental health and Mm -hmm. mentality. And then they're like, I don't even want you to run. Running, you're moving your shoulders. Mm -hmm. So I went from three times a day activity. Right to zero, just nothing. <laughs> and, um, so tough. yeah, yeah dur- so during tough. that time I kind of ended up like, well, I need to be involved in some way or I'm going to go crazy. So mm-hmm. I started contacting my friends of like, um, I want to be active. Let me try ring announcing. Let me mm-hmm. try commentating. Let mm-hmm. me try, um, interviewing after the fights. So I was like, whatever you have at a show, I want to try it. Yeah. And did you get some no's? I did people did. tell you no? Yeah, uh, yeah, I did actually. I I really wanted to commentate for um, Medusa mm. for the jujitsu tournament, and it wasn't a no because you're not good. They just already had the position filled. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, hey, you know, if you ever need anyone, I'm around. And I kept saying that to all my friends. And eventually, I got the call for Lux Fighting Championship on mm. um, Fight Pass. I commentated for XMMA. They actually reached out to me, so that was really cool. And um, I learned that it's almost as nerve-wracking as a fight. <laughs> like, when you're getting out there on mic and there's a room of people looking at you, you know that this is broadcasted yes, all over the yes. world. Um, <clears throat> you know, before you fight or do something huge, for those of you who aren't competitors, say um, you're about to have your first kid. I'm pretty sure that that imagine that your heart is just racing and dropping. <laughs> you're like, oh, my God, to an extreme level. Or... Um, you know, you're applying for a job that you've always wanted, things like this. Public speaking, right? Presenting at work. Yeah. So it really does just like, it is a heart racer. And I kind of love that. I was like, (gasps) I I feel like I'm fighting, like my palms are getting clammy and I'm like, oh, I'm getting this rush, but I'm not in there. And so it was kind of cool because I'm like, wow, I can learn about the sport without putting my body in danger all over again. Um, So now I'm like, I'm being really intelligent, taking my time to heal because when I come back, (laughs) I'm using this last opportunity to put my best foot forward. And no matter the outcome, I know that I will have left there with a war and I will be proud of myself. You know, UFC, you can't lose 10 fights and still fight there. It's very important that you win to keep your job. So you know, I know what is on the line and I'm just being patient and yeah. getting stronger every day. Look, I got a little muscle back. <laughs> Man, it's such an interesting thing when so many people who listen to this are jiu-jitsu people. Like, I think we forget 
to have a lot of respect in MMA for the fact that you do have to win to keep your job. In jiu-jitsu, yes, losing hurts. But you can sign up for the Worlds the next year if you want. Yeah. You know, like you can come back and go. I mean, yes, there are qualifying points now. It's a little bit different. But and like there are certain things. But for the most part, like you can keep fighting as much as you want. You can rack up as many highlight reels as much as you want in jiu-jitsu. Whereas in MMA, like if you are, like you said, you have to win to keep your job. And it's a different yeah. kind of pressure. Yes, there's pressure to win no matter what in jiu-jitsu. But I think that brings me to I want to spend a couple minutes talking about I know you've been open about this on social media we've talked about it offline yeah but there was so much hype around your career when you won tough and then going into the UFC immediately having those two losses that were really really tough you received so much ridiculous hate online and we know that with like celebrities and in combat sports there is um I don't know. Like, I love combat sports. I love our community. But there's a lot of trashiness, too, yeah. especially when there is a chance to put somebody down who has been in the spotlight. So talk to me a little bit about that experience, because I want, especially there's a lot of young women and men who listen to this podcast who send in questions or DMs about going for their dreams and looking to build themselves up, whether it's in jiu-jitsu or not, right? They have like big goals and aspirations. And I like to bring people on the podcast who are willing to talk about the, you know, some of the dark stuff that goes on behind the scenes that isn't so shiny. So give us a little bit of insight into your world with that um, up to your comfort level, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about that. First and foremost, Thank you to all the incredible people out there who are kind, loving, and supportive. There are a lot of you, and um, I. it's important to talk about the negative, but I just want to highlight mm. you badasses out there who are supportive. That means the world. I see you, and I appreciate you mm. so much. Leading into the negativity. Um, <laughs> well, it's when- important to mention, sorry to cut you off, but I, I think like it is worth mentioning that the negativity is so loud because to every like however the ratio is you know on 100 people that think you're awesome yeah they are oftentimes silent and they're just you know at home doing their thing and then that one person who is upset or like you know has their own issues or whatever is projecting that and putting that online but it's like yelp like yeah. you always got to take yelp with a grain of salt because people are much more likely to leave a negative review than they are to leave a positive review True. even if they had a good experience so just want to shout out to all the incredible wonderful people out there there's so love many you. of you guys and yeah yes. it doesn't go unnoticed okay go for it <laughs> uh with the negativity i just want to start out by saying no one can possibly beat you up worse than yourself when you're a high level performer when you go out there your coach can't fight for you your corner your teammate they're not in there it's just mm-hmm. you and it's the same for jiu jitsu like your mistakes are on you and you know that in your heart you can't be like well you said underhook and i underhook and got darts yeah. it's like okay like yeah. you know what i mean like that could have been the right thing to do in the moment so After a loss, I already hate myself. I'm already beating up myself. I'm already questioning what I'm doing with my life, if I should be here. And um, for some reason, people love to kick you when they're down and they love to praise you when you're up. The same people that were telling me that I'm amazing, I'm going to be a future world champion, all of a sudden turned to that evil face and were telling me, you need to retire, you suck, you're getting brain damage, don't do this, Mm. save yourself, get out of here, UFC is cutting you, you're not good enough. And there was just an influx of constant negativity of everything. So much so every time I would open my Instagram, it would just be like, so much negative that I almost didn't even see the positive anymore. Mm. And um, I would start responding, just talking shit to these people. And I, and it would make me more and more angry every yeah. time. I feel like a lot of times the people that are so negative, sorry if this is you, but just because you didn't go and chase your dream doesn't mean you need to put down me for trying and failing Mm. because that's something that people it is so scary to get out there in the spotlight and most people can't handle it and so that's what I think it boils down to is like some of the haters are too afraid to try it themselves so they're just going to project that hate Mm -hmm. onto me and get me to quit so they're like yeah see I told you this is why you shouldn't go for it right and um So I was like kind of at peace and I'm like, you know what, instead of being mean to the haters, I'll try agreeing with them. Mm. They'd be like, you're terrible, you're getting cut. And I'd be like, you're right, I'm sorry, I'll try better. And like some of those people ended up being nice. But what really got me was when the negativity was 
space towards my family. My grandma is a very important person to me. I stay the night. I literally slept next to her last (laughs) night. Um, I did. And like she raised me from five months to six years old. She's done nothing but help me and love me unconditionally. And I started getting messages about her (sighs) looks, about her health, telling me that uh, she should die like negativity towards my grandma and when that started happening I was like that's it I'm done with media I I blocked comments and um that was just something that like was so personally to me I'm like attack me whatever not the person who raised me and I almost understand why at the highest level you know in UFC when um Colby Covington is you know talking smack about Leon's dad and family like that's like a level that you shouldn't cross when it comes to someone's family. But then when it's people who don't know, probably a fake Instagram, maybe, you know, my boyfriend's angry ex-girlfriend. Like, I don't know. Like, you don't know who they They're are. They're out really. there. They're out there. You know? Let's just say. So I just. We got some people behind the page accounts. We could take some guesses. Yeah. <laughs> I see you. Uh, but um, yeah, I just really decided that I need to just not look at it. So I just turned off comments for a wow. while. And a lot of people have said, you know, please turn it back on. And mm. uh, eventually, like right now, I have it to only if I follow you, can nice. you comment? Um, so eventually, I'm going to reopen it because I think it is almost a personal error. Like any attention is good as far as media. The mm. more comments you have, the more your stuff is boosted. So yeah. I just need to learn to not care. But that is something hard for a professional athlete to do. And I am so amazed by the people who are like anyone can say anything and I just don't care like it slides right off you I'm like I admire you and I will be that soon. oh my gosh what man it's there's oh my god there's so much to go off of what you just said I think first of all a lot of the people that do say that nothing bothers them it's hard to say how much of how high of a percentage of that is true and how much yeah. of that is for show because I think I've been in places before I felt that I had to say that like oh what other people say about me doesn't bother me because I remember my dad telling me growing up like this is actually a really helpful thought is like oh well it's not that I don't care about anyone's opinion because as human beings we are we hardwired yeah. to to take input from our social community, from our village, right? We're, we're hardwired to care about that. But I tried to shift it to, I care about the opinions of people who I respect mm, and, you know, want to be more like, who yeah. know me well, who love me. And again, who I respect, right? Because then I can take constructive criticism. Then I can get honest feedback. I want to be able to go to the people in my life who love me, who who I respect, who respect me, who treat me with love and kindness and tell me the truth and say, hey, in this area, what's your honest opinion? Because we need that feedback from people, right? But how do we filter out the rest, you know? And like, I think about negative commenting. You literally could not, I mean, there may be a dollar figure out there. I hope that there wouldn't be, but you literally could not pay me to put negative comments on people's stuff. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm a perfect person. I might talk <laughs> shit with my friends. I mean, yeah. I try to stay away from gossip as much as I can. Like, I try to do my best. But, I, but as far as you're literally putting that out there in black and white to do what? Yeah. To do what? To hurt someone? I mean, you're claiming that not only to God and everyone who's watching, but like your name is next to that comment. Like you're proud of putting that out there in the world, fake account or not. I mean, that is so devastating to me to think that people – not only don't care about hurting the person on the other end of the screen, but how much pain do you have to be in for that to be your reality? Like literally think about that for a second. Like who would you have to be to go on my account and be like one of the people that's like, you know, we got, we got some YouTube <laughs> tunes in the corner. Okay. But like, who would you have to be like, as Ju- say you're okay. You're Juliana Miller, right? Juliana is sitting on her phone. She sees a picture of Kendall. This is something that happened uh, for ADCC. I gained weight. It was a really hard time. I couldn't exercise. Things were different. And this was, you know, last year. To be someone in my comments or DMs and literally say, Kendall, you're so fat, blah, blah, blah. You should just quit. You're so ugly. Like, who, what would it take for you to be that person? And if, if you really do that exercise, it's mind-blowing I'm like how do so many of these people exist like that's so devastating I think that it is um uh like sorry to get spiritual but a lot to do with like your spirit your spirit and your heart connection and even your connection to the earth like grounding and stuff Mm -hmm. I feel like um for instance I was reading about why 
you know, when some people argue with their significant other, they scream at them instead of, you know, I'm really upset with you. Like you can tell in my voice, I'm frustrated, but I don't need to scream at the top of my lungs. I hate screaming. It's something that drives me up the wall. When people scream in my face, I kind of freak out from the past. It's really like triggering for me too. I think Mm -hmm. that the reason people are screaming so loud is because their heart is so far away that it's Mm -hmm. almost like their voice can't reach you. And that's something that I feel with these negative comments, like their heart is so far Mm -hmm. away from what they wanted to do and who they want to be that they're really going to project that internal sense of failure onto everyone else. Mm. And failure is a big word. I think me as an athlete, I don't want to fail. And I feel like every mistake is a fail. And that's something I'm working internally Mm. on is like, no, it's practice for success. But you can ask anyone, um, you know, a billionaire, the guy who made Apple, like how many Mm. times did you fail making a computer before the first one worked? Mm. I'm pretty sure they had to throw away 3000. And that's with anything amazing in life is you have to be tough skinned to get through the failures. And that's where mentally I'm like time to toughen up your skin because Just because I lost doesn't make me a failure. What makes me a failure is quitting before I'm ready. And that doesn't mean when you've had a beautiful career, you have a loss and you retire. That is not what I mean. That means Mm -hmm. when you're mentally and physically healthy and you want to be competing, but you don't because of that fear fear of Mm -hmm. failure. And that's a big thing for me is like fear of failure has kind of ran my life. And I think that that's the only reason that I can understand this negativity is like, that must be what they're going through on such a large scale in their heart. And, and, um, they never went for it. So Mm. they, they just see us and they're like, Mm -hmm. everything that I feel mad about me, almost like a mirror. Like if you put a mirror in front of the person, I guarantee that they can connect with what they're saying. And that is super sad. And I think, the importance of learning some emotional intelligence stuff, which is why I got involved. Um, you know, growing up, I wasn't very confident. I wasn't very pretty. I was picked on. People were mean. And I had the reverse of like, you're anorexic. Like, mm. I've always just been so small that I didn't even look feminine. Yeah. I, it, like, I just didn't. And so it's just something that it's like learning to love yourself it seems so silly but it is like finding things about you that make you great will really help you Mm. in the future so I I hope more people out there that are struggling mentally get in an emotional intelligence class find a good support Mm. system and also a mentor finding a healthy mentor is so key because they'll tell you the hard truths and you'll know that it's not just some person deflecting their life onto you that they mean it for help Yeah, man, you said so many good things right now that I'm just like eating it up, like so, so in line with the way that I choose to see the world as well. And I think when you said mentorship, one thing that sticks out to me is it goes back to the, you know, listening to opinions of the people that you respect, right? Like when I think about people I take advice from, it's usually people I want to be more like, right? So for example, like the women in my life, that I look to for advice or mentorship. It's a short list, you know, it's like they are happy, healthy. They're happy with, you know, career or whatever they chose to do. They have great relationships with their adult children. They have great relationships with the men in their life. Like it's in their working on just having, you know, we talk about self-awareness, like no one has it all down or perfect. And we're, I I really believe like get a grip, lose a grip, get a grip. (laughs) But it's like, they have their eyes open to, to doing their best. Like, I just want to have my eyes open. I just want to be in awareness as much as possible. And then the men in my life same. like, I go to people who I want to be more like. So I think same thing with friends, like people will say, I've, I've gone through different periods of time where I felt lonely or felt like I didn't have that many people around that I resonated with. And one of the things that I think is so powerful that's within each of our power at any given time is that anytime we decide to speak our truth, we're magnetizing those people to us yeah. because the people are out there. But it's like the more we tell the truth, the more we speak our truth, like we're attracting those people that we feel like a tribe. And I think that's really where the magic happens. I love it. I would love to talk for hours. I'm going to have to wrap this up. I know. I was just going to say, you have to go to the airport. I know we have to do another one. But one thing I want to say is that's something I really love and respect about you. Mm -hmm. Like we came up together. We both become incredible women. Um, But 
world champion, <laughs> you know, like interviewer, announcer, on the mic, absolutely killing it, inspiring women, children, and people in general mm. to try to be them the best that they can possibly be in sports is amazing. I honestly, when you're Instagram, I was like, I want to take your class. Oh my gosh. Like, I did. So I did. Yeah. And I sent in an application and it's like, listen, you guys, there's people oh, out there. Oh, for accelerator. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, there's people out there who will help you improve in things. And when you can connect with them, you mm. can get better. So I'm like, now after all this, I'm like, I'm coming to yeah, train yeah, with you as soon as I'm healthy. And please. that's just a beautiful thing. Everyone out there who has joined Kendall's group, good for you. You're doing what you need to to help mm. elevate your life. Somebody who is like-minded and just mindful and a compassionate human. There's a ton of them out there. So mm -hmm. find your tribe. There are. Find your people and they will help you elevate in life. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right, Juliana, before I let you go, two things. One, where can people find you? Killer Miller MMA or Juliana Miller on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> we I, got the OG Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have a Twitter, Killer Miller MMA too, um, but I'm kind of learning how to be a little bit more active on it. I so. love it. I love it. And then last but not least, I always ask one more time at the end because sometimes it changes, sometimes it doesn't. What does it mean to you to have a grip on your life? I still believe that having a grip on your life is a sense of control and stability. And um, just like, I think it's like mentally, like if you're mentally healthy and involved, then it's just like, you feel like you got a grip. If you're feeling happy, mm -hmm. you have a good job, things are going well. Um, when any of those turn negative, you feel like you lost a grip. Mm -hmm. And um, so... I'm going to get a grip on my life and get back <laughs> on the winning circle and, it. you know, regain my confidence from the inside out and really start blooming as mm -hmm. the best athlete I can be. And y'all, I cannot wait for you to see my new moves oh when I get God. back in there. Maybe some karate kicks. I'm so excited. Cool. <laughs> I'm so excited. And we're and you know, we get to see you. Like, it's going to be so fun to look back on this and then see as you blossom, like your reflections on this moment too. Because even though you're talking a lot about control, what I hear when I'm sitting here listening to you is also acceptance. Yeah. Like you have, a, you seem to me anyway, you, like you have a lot of surrender and acceptance of when things are not 10 out of 10 perfect because you know that you can always find your way home again. Well, I'm learning. I would say emotionally, I'm not that accepting yet, but that's why <laughs> I finally got to the point to where like, if you don't, you're going to keep going downhill. Mm, and the awareness <laughs> is the first step. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. We're, all, we're always on the project of ourselves, always working on it. Always. All right, Juliana, I'm going to let you go to the airport. Thank you so much for spending the day with Thank us. Thank you for having me. Oh, I love you so much. You're I so love sweet. you too. So are you. And we'll have her back soon. Yeah. All right. Oh. Last thing, guys, I forgot. If you enjoyed this episode, if you found something helpful about it, please share it. Go follow Juliana. Follow her stuff. Send this episode to your friend. Post on your Instagram story. Write, rate, review. I don't even know. Follow all the things. Subscribe. <laughs> all the stuff. things. I don't have ads. So the only thing I ask, is, since this is not a paid podcast, is just share it. And if we got a dog. I mean, you got to see a dog if you're on here on YouTube. So, I mean, that deserves a rate. All right. And any questions or future guests you want or anything like that, drop it in the comments. Really, really helps support the show and helps me have really cool guests on because the bigger the podcast gets, the cooler people that I can have on. So thank you guys so much for being here listening. I love you and I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.